it can be kind of difficult to uh, fill in for somebody, especially when I thought I was going to be doing more. I picked a <laughs> I picked a letter that uh, kind of demands more, but we're going to do a very quick overview over the, this Sunday and next Sunday of the book of Jude. Like I said, it can be kind of difficult to kind of wrap all this in a short package, but I got to say, if I was to write a letter, I am like Jude. It is not a long letter. (laughs) But if I was writing inspired of God, I might write longer. I don't know. So we're going to do Jude, and it's only one chapter. We're going to do the first 16 verses here. So I'll go ahead and read that. We'll have a word of prayer, and I'll get into what I have here for you of uh, the first 16 verses of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though, you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, after are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority, and revile angelic majesties. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed." Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, carrying for themselves clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. 
It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. Father God, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this text that you've brought us. Lord, thank you that uh, we can be warned of the false who've crept into the church, Lord. And God, that uh, we could have those with the ability to discern and to protect the church. Lord, that you've given them as protection over the church. Thank you, Lord. And may you speak your words through me this day. Amen. So throughout the scriptures, we're warned of false teachers, the apostate infiltrating the church. You look at Acts 20, 29 through 31. Paul's talking to the elders of the church in Ephesus, and he's warning them, saying, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul has given this type of warning in many different scriptures. We don't have the time to go through all of those today. Peter also warns of false teachers in the church. Second Peter 2, 1-3 But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from a long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Again, Paul in 1 Timothy 4, 1-5, he speaks of these people again also. And in this one, he explains how they can do things very subtly. It says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. We look at that and you look at stuff, you know, they talk about abstaining from marriage or forbidding marriage, abstaining from certain foods. 
You wouldn't believe there, there's heresies out there of that. There's people who write these books such as what would Jesus eat? And they talk about these things and they talk about all of this saying that you, you're not allowed to eat pork as a Christian. There's people who you know come into the church and they say, well, you know, somebody who is living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, they don't have to be married to be married in God's eyes. There's many things that are said about those things. And people come in, these people, and they, they slowly bring these heresies in. And they tell you, well, you know, Jesus wouldn't have eaten pork because he was a Jew. So therefore, we shouldn't eat pork. Or they say things like, when you have relations with a woman or a man in the bedroom, then you are technically married to them because that's how God views marriage. And people bring these subtle subtle things into the church and they slowly turn people in the church. It's very deceitful. We look here and we see that these are all warnings to us about people coming into the church, that this is going to happen. But if you look at Jude here, in verse 4, he says these people have arrived. He says right here, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness, deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. He says they've come in unnoticed. We don't recognize that they're here. They may be people that you see in the church. You may view them as trustworthy. You may view them as having high reputation. They like to make themselves known, but you don't notice that they are not true. They are not one of Christ. That's a tragedy in the church today because we see these things so many times. We see these people that uh, maybe they have a few people that have come in and they complain about the music and they say, well, you know, those old hymns, they're, they're old and outdated and they, you know, they don't, we don't need to have those in here. Let's, let's bring in this. And next thing you know, their, their, uh, pastor has gotten sick or something and he's, you know, they bring somebody else in and that starts preaching heresies and it's a very, very slow process and they make themselves out to look as if they are one of Christ's beloved saved people. Jude goes on to describe these people in the next 12 verses, and he describes them and their judgments. You see in verse 5, Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. He's comparing these people to the false of Israel. They were brought out of Egypt. They lived 
out the miracles of God. They visibly saw God do all these things to the Egyptians. The plague of flies, God left them out of that plague. He made it so he separated the land of Goshen where the Israelites were staying from the land of Egypt. And he made it so that the flies did not plague the people of Israel. And they plagued all of the people of Egypt. They lived this out. They saw the miracles that God performed. You look at Exodus 32, 1-6. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with the graving tool and made it into a molten calf and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered a burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You look at this. These people, they lived out the miracles of God. They lived out these plagues. They saw what God did to Pharaoh in Egypt. They saw what God did to all the Egyptian firstborn. They saw all this. They watched Pharaoh's army follow them to the Red Sea and how God put the pillar of fire between them and Pharaoh's army to protect them and how he split the sea and they walked across on dry land. And after that, Pharaoh's army were followed and they were all drowned. The entirety of Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea. And yet this is their response because Moses didn't come down in what they considered to be a timely manner from the mountain. They go and listen to this. It says right here in verse 4, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. They made a golden calf and said, Here, this represents God, the God of the God that brought you out of Egypt. You see how, how they twisted that? You see how he brought that in and it was very, was kind of subtle about it that, hey, this is just, this is a representation of God that brought you out of Egypt. Yet it's a golden calf. It was an idol of the Egyptians. They modeled it over one that uh, they brought out of Egypt. And as a result, they were killed. At that point, when Moses came down and saw what was going on, he had told the people, those who are for, are for me and God, come to us. And the Levites came to him, and they went throughout the whole camp, and they basically sliced and diced everybody else. They were all gone. And he went and ground up the gold from the calf, cast it into the water, and made them all drink it. So 
And on top of that, God took them 40 years through the desert and killed off that whole generation. They never got to see the land of their promise. So verse 6, he compares them to demons. These people who have crept into the church. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So he compares them to demons, fallen angels who rebelled against God. And if you look at the things that Satan did with Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan goes and asks them if there was any tree that they weren't allowed to eat from. And he tells them, yes, we're not to eat from this. And he says, we will surely die. Satan brings this very uh, subtle word. Will you surely die? And he comes in with a question on that. He, he uh, compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah. How gross immorality. They went after strange flesh. It was sexual immorality. He says in verse 8, In the same way these men's also, men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. The things they dreamed up were sick and disgusting. And it defiled, they defiled their flesh through those things. We'll move on to verse 12. He describes them here. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. He says these people are like the reefs in the sea. They're hidden. They're a big rock wall hidden by water in the sea. You don't see them until you've struck them with your vessel. You don't see them until your ship is sinking. These people are hidden reefs. They come in contact with people in the church and they can do great harm through their false influence. They're described as clouds without water, meaning they look good on the outside and they're deceiving those who are searching for the rain. Verse 16, it says, For these are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts, they speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. They come in, they find fault in the church. They don't like something that the pastor taught. They don't like the music. They don't like something. They want to change it. They want to come in, they want to change it. And to do that, they divide the people. They divide the church. They get people to follow them using flattering words so that they may have a gain. 
And we see this verse 11 backing up. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Coram. They want their gain. They want pay. They want to divide the church. They want followers. They want to bring these people down, and they want to teach them their false heresies. Second Timothy 4, 1-5 I solemnly charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths this is what the false teachers bring they bring this into the church they divide the people and they get people's ears people who are weak in the church people who are weak in their belief they bring these false heresies and they say well you know this is what the bible says They take the scriptures out of context and they bring these things in and they turn these people and then these people don't want to hear the truth. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. These are these people who come in and take and divide the church. These are the false, the apostates that come in and divide the church. And then they take those people They will divide the church, and many times they take them and they start something else. We've seen it. We've seen many who go out and they start these churches. Next thing you know, they're in scandals. They've uh, they've been they've been caught in homosexuality, or they've had many many scandals where they've embezzled money, taken money from people. You see these people on TV. Please send me money. I need a new jet. That's gain. That's their gain. Or I need my third summer home in the Hamptons or whatnot. They come and they do these things and they want their gain. They want their pay. And they divide the church up and they speak heresies to do it. We look at Paul in 2 Corinthians 11:7 through 10 he says or did i commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because i preached the gospel of god to you without charge i robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you and when i was present with you and was in need i was not a burden to anyone 
For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything I kept myself from being a burden to you, and I will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. You see Paul saying, look, I'm not like one of these false teachers. That's what he was. He was dealing with some of this in the Corinthian church. These people who were bringing in these subtle heresies. He says, I'm not like one of these people. I've asked you for nothing. In fact, I robbed other churches just so that I wouldn't have to take anything from you. I didn't come to you to gain anything other than your salvation, to see that you were saved. I was never a burden. Second Timothy 3, 1-7, he says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He says here, last days will come. We have people who are lovers of self, lovers of money. They're looking for somebody to follow. They're unloving. He has a whole list here. He says, they're holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. They have heard what the book says. They have seen the things of God, and they deny its power. They choose to leave it. And Paul here is telling Timothy, avoid these men, for they go into the households and they captivate weak women weighed down with sins. They captivate people who are weak. They come into the church, they find the weak and they take captive of them. They bring them scriptures out of context. They twist the word of God and they bring this to these people and they pull them away. They divide the church. They bring them out says they are weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Brothers and sisters, this is a tragedy in the church. These people have crept in the church. They're people that you may know. They come in unaware of the people. They take root in the congregation They never show their true face. They gain the respect of many in the church. They start to spread subtle lies. They take advantage of those who are spiritually weak. They turn them against the true teacher of God. 
with false allegations and they use these people that they have swayed to gain personally from them. They want their money. They want fame. We've seen this time and time again with prosperity preachers. Many others, they want the spotlight. You know, it was funny, uh, we talked about the food. I saw an interview with Pat Robertson where he told the interviewer that uh, a low-carb diet is not part of God's plan. I mean, you look at these things, they're, they're so subtle. I mean, and people believe these things. They have these false allegations. They want the spotlight. They want to be on TV. They want their new private jet. And they start fleecing the people for their own personal gain, convincing them that it's in the name of God. And that if they give to this person's cause, that they will be successful, that they will be prosperous. I'd like to bring one thing up that uh, I'm going to go over next week. Verse 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. So next week, we will see how to combat this problem how to contend for the faith. So let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your book. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you, through this great man Jude, have shown us these people who are going to come in, who are already here, who caused division in the church. And Lord, I thank you that you will protect your church. I ask that we will just look to you in the days to come. Lord, that you will keep us in your truth. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.